Uh, Russ has already said, but my name's Andy. I'm on the leadership team here, and I get to share with you this morning and kick off a new series um, about spiritual gifts. So, just a second. Perfect. I believe that watch was a present from someone here this morning, so let's see if it still works. Still works. Perfect. Thank you very much. Um, so, um, where I'm from, uh, I was just speaking to a lady here this morning, I didn't grab your name, but she picked up, and we're both from England, we're talking about England and what we have in commonality there. Um, one thing that came up to me this week as I was thinking about launching this series and some of the scriptures that have been mentioned at Oceanside Church previously was these school uniforms that everyone, pretty much everyone in England has to wear as they go to school. One of the main differences as you see sort of kids in North America go to school they're just wearing their regular clothes. But us in England, we had to get dressed in the morning. We had to put on our polished black shoes. We had to put on our trousers. We had to put all oh, that pants for you, if you don't know that. Um, we had to put on our trousers. Um, and this uniform wasn't optional. It was sometimes uncomfortable. Um, from minus like five degrees up to plus 30 degrees, you were in this uniform and you, you had to wear it. The reason I got started thinking about this is I was talking to someone else this week, and we were talking about everything that ties us together as Christians, about how you can go to anywhere around the world, and you can feel in commonality, sort of, you can feel that your brothers and sisters were people from completely different cultures and people groups. Did some traveling before we came to Canada, and yeah, I could say, like, no matter if we were in a city or a mud hut, we knew that we were intrinsically connected to these brothers and sisters in Christ through the uniform that we kind of got to wear, through our identity. Again, this, this piece of clothing, actually, uh, Ross mentioned it in the prayer meeting, this thing of being clothed with something. But in Luke 24, Jesus says something just before he's about to leave his disciples and, and let them get on with the mission that's coming up. He says this, Luke 24 from 48, he says, you are witnesses of these things. That's Jesus' ministry over the last few years. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay, in, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Jesus was with them for three years. We preached this before, but the disciples probably didn't want Jesus to leave. They were their solid rock. They were you know, stood beside him, he led them, but Jesus gave and promised them something new, and he said it would be this clothing of power from on high. If my school uniform that I went to school in as a kid with my tie and my blazer, probably the smartest I've ever looked, um, certainly don't do that very much anymore, but if my school uniform identified me as a student of that school, being clothed with power from on high, and this piece of the Holy Spirit, what we're launching into, identifies us as Christians here. The same spirit that we profess this morning, the same spirit that is working within us today and conquering things and moving out into the Naimo, is the same one we found in South Africa or Asia or in North Korea or wherever you can go. It's the same spirit everywhere, the same uniform that we get to have. And the thing I love most about the Spirit is it wasn't something just for the early Christians. It wasn't some new thing that, that, that God just used to kickstart the early church, although he did. It's still for us today. In John 14, Jesus also says, we're actually going to look at three different gospel messages just before Jesus says, and each book of the gospel picks up something slightly dif different about what Jesus says just before he leaves. But in John 14, it says, 
I will ask the Father, this is Jesus talking, and he will give you another advocate to help you, and he will be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world can't accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he, for he lives with you and will be in you. This spiritual clothing that we get to wear is not just on the outside. Okay, I know that if you, if you go around and you try and pick Christians out in the crowd, sometimes you can tell. Sometimes you can, I know there's certain things we wear, there's some certain things we do, some, certain mannerisms we have maybe in certain cultures. But for the most part, you can't tell just by looking at a lineup. It's this inward work of the Holy Spirit being, being with you and being in you. And just like my old school uniform, I believe, and we believe, that it's a non-negotiable. You have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, living inside you. If you're a Christian here today, if you are adopted son or daughter of Jesus Christ, the Spirit is with you. It's non-negotiable. My school, you know, it was the law in England that I had to go to school and between certain ages and, and do certain grades like you have here. And it was my school's rule that I had to put on this uniform. Same with us. When we become Christians, we put on the Spirit. The Spirit comes in us. Indeed, the Scripture that we're going to look at this morning is going to tell us emphatically that there's no way out of this. You have it this morning. I love um, what Ferenc brought this morning. He actually introed a Scripture that I, I had here for us today. Matthew 28. This is another thing that Jesus says right about before he's going to leave the disciples and send them on their mission. And this is what we know, or what we commonly call the Great Commission. Matthew 28 from 18, just continuing from where Ferenc started. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you to the end of the age. And then that's the end of the book of Matthew. That's the big hit that Matthew ended with. I think if a lot of the times I, I thought of my spiritual or my school uniform as a real burden. We hated it as kids. No one liked um, wearing their school uniform to school. We had these days called Mufti Days. I don't really know what that word means, but it was a day where you could bring 50p, so like half a buck, bring that to school, and you could wear your outside clothes in school. School was chaos on those days because we just felt free. We just felt like, hey, this is me. And uh, It's not great looking at back of those pictures because it was the 90s and stuff like that and tracksuits. I had a couple of tracksuits, I remember that. Um, things are different now. Thank you, Camilla, my wife, for introducing me to different styles. But our spiritual clothing isn't a burden. It's rather, I was thinking, okay, if the uniform identified me as this person, it's rather like a work suit for someone. We have firefighters maybe here this morning and policemen here this morning and different people who put on outfits, who are given outfits by their employees to carry out work that is coming up for them. And Jesus has given us work to do. It's great if you're saved here this morning. It's great if you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. But I believe that Jesus is pressing us forth into a work in here, in, into Nanaimo and to the ends of the earth. You can't get away from it. Jesus was all about, okay, you're saved, believe in me, but here's what's coming next. Here's what I'm giving you to do the work that's coming up. Again, what Ferenc just said this morning, all authority on heaven 
and on earth has been given to me. That's Jesus. Go therefore. It's a great commission. So what has God given us to get this job done? Well, Russ um, interluded there that we're going to be looking at the gifts of the Spirit, and that's the gifts that carry out the mission. The Bible refers to these as gifts of the Spirit everywhere. There's three or four places in the Bible where it talks about what the specific tools that we are given to get this job done, both in the church and outside the church. Let's turn to the main scripture where we're going to be reading today. It's 1 Corinthians 12, the first half of 1 Corinthians 12. I believe Nate's preaching the second half of that in a couple weeks here. Let's just get there. And you're going to see the, the guy writing this letter is a, an apostle called Paul. He wasn't one of Jesus' disciples, but he had a radical transformation and became an apostle. And he wrote a lot of the New Testaments, and this is one of the letters he's writing to a city called Corinth. And Corinth was a lot similar to the cities that we grew up in. They're, they're multi-faith, they're, they're trade cities, there's lots of things going on, there's, there's lots of different beliefs held, and there's a lot of sketchy stuff happening as well. But about two-thirds through his book, he attempts to wake us up. In 1 Corinthians 12.1, he says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be uninformed. What that tells me is it's really, we can be uninformed about spiritual gifts. We can be uninformed about what the, the tools that God has given us to the job. We might even be uninformed that God has stuff for us to do. But he's waking us up. He's shaking us to our attention. He, we're two-thirds way through the way. But, but guys, listen up to this next thing. Concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be uninformed. The next thing he says, again, he says two more verses before he even gets to talking about the spiritual gifts. This piece, verses 2 and 3, I skipped over at the beginning when we were sort of looking at the series and looking at different scriptures that we can look on, and I took on this scripture. I skipped past verse 2 and 3 immediately to get to the main chunk of text that I was, think I was going to teach on today because, you know, this, this piece sounds like it's just filler, right? It's just filler to get to the main piece. No, actually... Verses 2 and 3 are not filler. They're really important to what's coming up. So let's listen and read. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is a curse. And no one can say, listen to this bit, this is the important bit, no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And that's why I said what I said earlier that no one who calls themselves a Christian here today or this morning can, can be a Christian without the Holy Spirit in them. It says no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And that's important to what he's going to say in verse 7 coming up. But whoever calls Jesus is Lord did that in the Holy Spirit. Now, the, the Sunday school teenager within me wants to say, Really? <laughs> Is that really true? I'm pretty sure if you gave me two $5 bills right now and I went downtown Nanaimo, I could get a couple of people to say Jesus is Lord, and they're not filled with the Spirit. They're not going to do anything about it. They're non-Christians. Is that right? I could pr probably do that, right? Let's not forget where this book was written. What's a cheap phrase for us was not a cheap phrase for the early church. I believe, and, and a year after writing this book in another city, Paul was put in jail for living Jesus is Lord and for saying Jesus is Lord. So for when we hear that phrase, and we need to know the importance and the, of this to, before we get into what's coming, that no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. 
what I believe he means to say is that you can't say Jesus is Lord and mean it as truth without the Holy Spirit in your life. So if Jesus is Lord for you here this morning and you mean it, that is by the Holy Spirit. You can't do that any other way. Okay. This is simple stuff. This is maybe Sunday school stuff, but we can't do the rest without doing this first. Why the qualification? So why is he qualifying the people to, that he's writing to? The people probably reading this letter from Paul are probably people that have paid some cost to call themselves Christians, right? They've probably maybe paid more than we have already, not in terms of finances or money, but in terms of family, in terms of segregation. You know, when you became a Christian and your family wasn't Christian, well, your family might not want to know you anymore. The price was paid high. So why is Paul reinforcing that to us? And I believe he does this because he's going to start talking about spiritual gifts and we need to know that we have the Holy Spirit and we need to know that the gifts of the Spirit apply to each one of us without a doubt. Absolutely, unshakably, unquestionably, 100%. We have to know what's coming up is written to us. It's very easy where we're going next and in the next four weeks talking about spiritual gifts is to say, ah, spiritual gifts is for the people who grab the microphone up the front or the names of the people that we have come through to Oceanside Church who who seem to do great, amazing things. No, it's for each of us. Let's read on. 1 Corinthians, uh, from from where we've been to up to verse 7. And no one says Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each, and this is the the verse that I want to concentrate on today, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And the reason why what came before is so important now is because of verse 7. Let's, verse 7, sit with you for just a moment, if we could just have it on the screen there. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. We had a guy, uh, Mike, preached last week, a uh, second preach in humility that he was talking about, and he invited a guy up onto the st- stage, a guy called David, who shared a story about his week, and the story was that this lady was sitting under a green traffic light at an intersection, but she was asleep at the wheel. And there was a truck that had come behind, I think it was a truck, I don't remember the story, but the truck was laying on the horn, holding on the horn to wake that lady up and to let her know that the green light is there for us. As I was preparing this week, and as I right, just that, that picture kept coming back to me. I don't know if it kept coming back to you this week. But if we're asleep at the will, what is the green light that God's trying to wake us up towards? I believe it's verse 7, guys. I believe it's to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And if you're asleep, if you don't believe that God has work for you to do here today, if you don't believe that he's got a mission field for you, and if you don't think that he has spiritual gifts that he's given you, you need to wake up. I don't know how any other way to say that. And I need to wake up. God is waking me up as I've been prepping and preaching this. And it's not for somebody else. It's not for super Christians. Growing up in the church, I I had an amazing privilege of, yeah, being born into a Christian family, the youngest of my family, of, of six other people in the family who all walk with the Lord. But it was easy for me to think that, I don't know if it's a youngest thing mentality, but you just don't assume that you're as great as other people. You don't assume that you can do things that other people can do. But we can't get away from this, the beginning of verse 7, where it says, to each 
We can't avoid it. Each one of us here this morning has been given gifts by the Holy Spirit. And later in verse 11, we won't look at just yet, but they are apportioned to each of us as God wills. And it doesn't leave any room to say that some of us don't have it. Some of us are Christians, but we don't have gifts. It doesn't leave the room. So what are they? If verse 7 says that something is becoming manifest, something's becoming physical, something immaterial is becoming material, what are they? He, he starts off in, in, uh, from verse 8 onwards. So, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between Spirits. To another, sorry, ability to distinguish between Spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each individually as he wills. The other thing is here is that the Holy Spirit he's talking about here is a person. It's the third person of God. Just like Jesus, you could have conversations with Jesus. You could do that. You can do that with God. You can do that with the Holy Spirit as well. And he apportions to each one of us, all Christians, individually as he wills. Now, there's other spiritual gifts lifted in the Bible But the ones here are wisdom, knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, speaking, and the interpretation of tongues. Are those amazing things? Yeah, Yeah, they're pretty miraculous things. If if, if this was happening all around us this morning, we'd probably, I don't know what would happen, but other people would start pressing in. There would be something that was happening that, that you couldn't find anywhere else. These are amazing things. And because they're amazing gifts, the first thing that I've heard, like growing up, the first thing that I've always done is disqualified myself from having any of them. I don't know if that is for you as well. If verse 3 qualifies saying us that no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit, and verse 7 says to each is given a manifestation of the Spirit, and then the Bible proceeds to list the gifts of the Spirit, you have one of them. You can't disqualify yourselves. I love where Mike's been going in the last two weeks before we got here today. He was talking about humility. If you, if you haven't been around, I'd, I'd ask you to go online or go in the app and read them, uh, listen to them or watch them. So often, we think we're being humble when we disqualify ourselves from having any of the spiritual gifts. You know, I'm not, <laughs> I can't have the gift of wisdom because, yo, I'm not very wise. Just ask my wife sometimes knowledgeable, uh, you're going to have to go back and look at my exams. Didn't do too great in my, my gift of knowledge. Gift of faith, uh, yeah, I've done things through faith, but I've backslidden a lot. I, haven't, I know God's told me to do stuff, and I haven't done it. I oh, can't have the gift of faith. Gifts of healing, yeah, I've prayed, but nothing happened. Miracles, prophecy, discernment, speaking in the interpretation of tongues. It's so easy to think we're being humble by saying that we don't have any of these things. I want to tell you that that is a lie from the enemy here today. What false humility does in us is it lies to us and it says, these gifts are for somebody else. 
Well, there's about 300 people that are going to pass through this building today. And if 300 people are all accepting the same lie that the spiritual gifts are for somebody else here this morning, that's 300 people who aren't aren't using the tools that God has laid out for us to increase his kingdom. Sometimes I wonder if we would see more growth if we would just accept this piece that God wants to use you. That he doesn't want to use that. Well, he, sorry. He does want to use the person next to you. He wants to use both of you. See, when we think we're being humble and disqualifying ourselves and saying these gifts are for somebody else, actually what we're doing, and this was challenging for me this week as I was looking at this, is we're actually disobeying God's word. The word of God doesn't leave room to say that the gifts are for somebody else but not me. Again, in verse 1, he says, listen up. Don't, uh, listen up. I don't want you to be uninformed. In verse 3, he affirms us saying, no one has become a Christian except through the Holy Spirit. So you have the Holy Spirit. Then in verse 7, he says, to each is given one of these manifestations. And then he lists each one of them. So if you say that you don't have one of these gifts of the Spirit or the, uh, the, the Holy Spirit hasn't given you a gift of the Spirit, you're disobeying God's word. Humility is accepting God's word even when it gives you a gift. To say that, no, I'm not good enough to have a spiritual gift or God wouldn't give that to me is disobedience. And we might need to repent of that here this morning. And this is a good thing. This is repenting of not stepping into something that God has to bless us. I love the piece of also looking at humility, the thing of identity. You can't operate in your spiritual gifting without getting your identity correct. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we looked at Jesus. And Jesus, just before he went to the cross, he was with his disciples. And it was the washing of the disciples' feet. We won't go into it too much. But it was a pretty major thing to do in their culture at the time. And one of the people's feet that he washed was the person that was going to betray him and then send him, send him to the cross. But it says this. Now, Jesus, I love the, what I love about Jesus is that he was human just like you and me. I mean, he was perfect, not like me. But he was human just like me. And it says this in verse 3 about Jesus, what he knew about his identity. It says, John 13, verse 3, Jesus, knowing the Father, had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. Then he proceeded to wash the feet. The next day, arrested, went to the cross. What can God conquer through us in Nanaimo, through our colleagues in our workplaces, if we got this identity piece right? If we rewrote it and said, adopted by the Father, knowing that all things are in his hands, just like Ferenc shared here this morning, and knowing that we are going back to him. If we just knew those things and then accepted our identity and stepped into these things, church, I believe Nanaimo would be changed drastically. True humility is accepting and living in the identity that God has given you to do these things. He's given us tools. One of the most challenging parts of this scripture through 1 to 11 has always been verse 7 to me as I've been preparing over the last couple of weeks. It's just my eyes. You know when you're reading a scripture and your, your eyes just come back and it's like shouting at you through the, through the page. It's verse 7. And specifically three words within verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. I know this scripture. I've, I've, 
I, if when someone reads a scripture and you, you know it, you can sort of, you know what's coming up. When verse 7 came up, it was kind of something new for me in the last few weeks to say to each is given the manifestation for the spirit for the common good. Manifestation is such a, a challenging word. One, it sounds like something out of a horror movie, so let's get rid of that right away. This is a good thing. But to try and say it another way, it's something spiritual becoming tangible. If the Spirit living within us, you can't cut me open and find the Holy Spirit, please don't try, but if you can't cut me open and find the Holy Spirit, but the, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit within us, the manifestation of that Spirit is spiritual things becoming tangible. If it's wisdom, it's speaking that thing. It's come, come to us through a spiritual thing. It's becoming through speech, knowledge, faith, gifts of healing. So, gifts of healing is a tangible thing. Miracles, prophecy, all of these are tangible. All of these are spiritual things becoming into our physical world. And if this is true for each of us, we should see a trail of these intangibles becoming tangibles in our lives. I don't think there's anybody here living in 100% the truth of this scripture. And I don't think I'm anywhere near... Yeah, this, this, like, I'm not, this is such a challenging scripture to repeat. Even me, myself, getting up this week, wanted to disqualify myself. Hey, you're not good enough to preach on this because you are not doing it well. Get some big name in to talk about this. No. Scripture reveals to everyone. And, but can we see the evidence of the Holy Spirit working in our lives? Asking and obedience. What I love about all scripture is that is that we can ask God, if we know the will of God, if it's the will of God to, to go to the nations, to baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, if it's his will to give us gifts and to use them and for them to become present, guess what we can ask God for? We can ask him for that. If we don't know, if we can't see the Holy Spirit working in our lives, if we don't have a trail of God showing up in our last few weeks, guess what we can step into this week? Asking him for those things. Sometimes it's hard to ask God, and if you've got a new job coming up or you want a promotion or something like this, we don't know if that's exactly the thing that God has for us. But I know pretty sure that God wants to become manifest in your lives this week. So we can pray that. If we're asking for it, we need to be obedient for it. I love the thing that this scripture doesn't leave space for. It says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. That means even if you disagree with me this morning, I believe the Bible says you do have spiritual gifts. Even if you come up to me after this morning and say, Andy, that's, that's cool, but I don't have a spiritual gift. I'm a Christian, but I don't have a spiritual gift. I'll tell you you're wrong. Right? I, and I'll just show you that. I'll try and show you that you're wrong. And, but anyway, I'm not trying to pop my... Yeah. <laughs> what I'm saying here... In love, <laughs> what I'm saying is that is even if we've come to this day not knowing what those spiritual gifts are in our lives, just because we haven't realized it, we still have them. Connect group this week, something that we'll do is look and ask people, hey, Brandon, what do you think my spiritual gifts are? What do you think God has given me? It's way easier for someone to see these things in your life than sometimes it is to see them in your own life. If we went around the room, we won't do that, but if we went around the room, we would find a thousand percent more spiritual gifts than you thought you had initially. It's good. Even though we don't realize we have them, we have them. And I'm encouraged because it's God's will in our lives for them to be used. That means if we ask for them to be used and we're obedient when he tells us how to use them, he's going to show up and it's going to happen. I had a really boring year of my life when I was 17. I had signed up to the wrong school. 
I signed up to the wrong course. I, I knew what I was doing. Anyway, I was really, I was a terrible student in my late teens. And I had to pick something, and the thing I picked was an engineering course. You know, I like math, I like computers, all of this. Two weeks into the course, I realized this is the worst course in the world, and I do not want to be an engineer. My brother was an engineer. Maybe I thought it was a good idea. Anyway, this, this school was a 30-minute walk away. Then it was a 20-minute train ride. Then it was another 20-minute walk on the other end to get to the school because I'd left it too long to go to the school nearest me. And it was a wasted year of my life, except for the fact that God taught me something in that year. He taught me to ask and pray for him to show up in my week. I don't know when it was through that year, but he impressed on me through either someone else or a similar preach like this. Ask God to show up and see what happens. Brothers and sisters, I tell you today that every day that I ask God to use me through my journey, through being at school, even though I thought it was a useless waste of a year, he showed up. Every day that I didn't ask him to do anything because I was too busy or too tired or too self-preoccupied, guess what he didn't do? Show up in a way that I realized. This is the will of God for his gifts to be used. We can be confident because of our identity, because of who he says we are, that he's going to show up when we ask him to through these gifts. And you've got to be humble for it. You've got to be humble for it. Lastly here, the thing that I love about the spiritual gifts in verse 7, again, he says, the man to each is given the manifestation for the common good. And we'll finish up here. It's so easy as a Christian to become so introspective with our faith, isn't it? It's so easy to wake up like you do in the morning. The first thing I do when I wake up in the morning, well, we have a kid now, so that's changed. But the first thing <laughs> I do, at least in the, yeah, anyway, I won't go into that. Uh, the first thing I do is worry about my stomach, what's happening in my belly. What do I need to get fed with? Healthy, thanks. So, oh, coffee, yeah. <laughs> that as well, thank you. Um, am I okay? It's so easy to become introspective. Is God blessing me? I need him to deal with my stuff. The things that I've got on the, the docket for this week, and we're all busy, our calendars are all full, is what has God got for me this week? But you can't also, you've all been given gifts, they all should be showing up in our lives, and they're all for the common good. These gifts are not for you. They're for somebody else. We don't come to these gifts, and the rest of this series here isn't preached for our benefit alone. And it does say common good. When, when our church is going well with the things of the spiritual gifts, you'll benefit, for sure. But they're primarily for other people. In 1 Peter 4.10, also talking about spiritual gifts, it says, as, as each has received a gift, again, he leaves no space saying that you don't have a gift, so be quiet. As each has received a gift... Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. If you've ever been blessed by a spiritual gift, if anyone's ever blessed you with a word or prayed for you for healing or given you a piece of advice, if it's a spiritual gift, God becoming manifest, I impress you, ask God to use you in the same way. That person who imparted that to you through the Spirit was just a regular Joe like you and I. Back to this piece on humility, we've got to serve do this act of service in humility. Another scripture that was, was mentioned while Mike was talking about the humility piece was Philippians 2. And this thing resonated with me. It resonated with me. We were talking in a youth, and we decided to talk about humility with the youth guys on, on the Friday night as well. And we said, we, we read this, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. 
Let each of you not look only after his own interests, but the interests of others. Church, that's what the spiritual gifts is for. What we asked the youth was, if you always counted others more significant than yourselves, could you be happy or would you be happy? If someone posed that to me outside of standing up here this morning, I'd be like, oh, I'm terrified of doing that. But we know it's God's words. We know it's his scripture. We know that actually we will be most happy and most fulfilled when we count others more significant than ourselves. And this applies to the spiritual gifts as well. God has given you a gift. God has it in you. He's, he's put it in you so he shows up in reality here. And it's for the common good, both in these four walls and outside as you're at the grocery store as well. I'm just going to end up here. And Russ, do you want the band to come back up? So if the, if the band can come back up, but some homework for us here today. Want us, if, if you have time this weekend, well, no, sorry, if, not if you have time this week. Make time this week in your mornings and ask God to show up in your day. Pray along the lines of, God, I know that you've given me a spiritual gift, even though I might not know what it is. Lord, I pray because it's your will that this becomes manifest in my life, that this becomes shown in my life, will you magnify it to me? And Lord, will you use me to affect those around me? If you ask him to make these things, if you ask him to make this happen in your life, church, I believe it will. And I believe we'll have 300 people all walking in the spiritual gifts. Church, there is nothing that we can't do if we're all operating in this. This series is so important. I know we've been talking about spiritual stuff for, since mid-November at church, but this piece of it's now on you that this is for others, that you have a task and a role to do is so important for you and for I. I'm encouraged this morning because I see the sea of faces and I could just point out spiritual gifts amongst each one of you that I know. Be encouraged. I'm excited for what God has for us coming up. Amen. I'm talking about the Acts on the Street uh, ministry. We've met a few times. We met uh, just this past Monday at our home and there was you know, 17 or 18 people. We were just blown away. It was uh, just fantastic, sharing what's on our hearts together and seeking God to see that being worked out. And I just appreciate so much, uh, Andy, what you've been uh, sharing, speaking about this morning. Uh, so we went out yesterday afternoon, downtown Nanaimo, walked through uh, the port uh, shopping center, walked through Maffeo Sutton Park, walked through downtown. Uh, a couple, couple of us uh, drove around looking for certain individuals. While we were praying, and just actually early Saturday morning for myself, uh, God put a name on my heart. It was in that kind of twilight zone, you know, about 5.30 in the morning, just when you don't want to wake up. <laughs> and, uh, but he put a name on my heart, and even the jacket he was wearing. Uh, somebody else in our, our group uh, received uh, a picture of someone who was, uh, might sound funny, but uh, they were toothless. <laughs> Uh, somebody else had a, another name, uh, and uh, anyway, so we got together on uh, Saturday afternoon yesterday at 1.30. We prayed for about 45 minutes together, and then we left in twos and threes to go and just see who we would meet downtown. Well, I didn't meet uh, Jerry, who I, whose name was put on my heart, but um, another two or three did. They found Jerry with his beige jacket on. And the interesting thing was they had to wait to approach him because just before their eyes near Bowen Park somewhere, uh, a, a sale was going on. A deal was being made. And a transaction was done. And then uh, uh, the three of them approached 
him, and they, uh, he had a beige jacket, so they were really looking at him. And uh, when they got to him, they said, is your name Jerry? And he said, yeah. And uh, we had written down these notes as we were praying, and so Roberto opened his Bible on, with a note page that was in there, and he said, Jerry, God is after you, and here's your name and what you're wearing. And he showed that to us as we were in prayer for you. And uh, this talk about gifts, what was that? Uh, he speaks to us in dreams and visions and all sorts of ways, and through his word, as we've heard this morning. And I'm convinced that it's in our going. You know, we've heard Matthew 28, 18 to 20 being read, and it's, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now go. And we went in faith, the gift of faith, and we saw him work. And he worked in our lives as much as he did in anybody else, but we all had people to talk to. We prayed, my little group prayed for three, uh, three people. One was uh, a toothless woman sitting on the bench waiting for her husband to pick her up. Uh, we found, prayed for a bearded man who was uh, mentioned, and we uh, prayed for another fellow as well. And all receiving us with humility and gentleness. No one was casting us aside as speaking nonsense. And the, each one had heard and knew the name of Jesus. And even the one fellow confessed him as, as Lord. And we were just so excited. But it's in the going. I'm convinced in my own heart, from my own life experience, that uh, the gifts, they're wonderful. But if we're sitting in our little comfort groups all week, or where we're living, and uh, not using them, they're meant to be manifested to others in ministry to them. We're filled... Uh, the Holy Spirit dwells in us for salvation, and he fills us for service. And we just praise God that uh, as we've been able to go and imagine 300 of us in the streets of Nanaimo on a weekend uh, doing the same thing. Wow. Transformation for sure. Just praise God and thank him.